I don't think we say it enough. I think we say, join the travel industry, start selling travel, you're going to make a lot of money. And that's a false bill of goods. That's not fair to the people entering the industry. Now, join the industry, get proper education, find a community, set up your business foundations, run your business like a rock star, you're going to be a successful travel advisor. That's why we call this Travel Biz CEO. Hey, travel advisors, you are listening to the Travel Biz CEO podcast by Kinship Travel Academy. It's not enough to just love travel. You need to have the appropriate business systems, marketing strategies, and mindset tune up and coaching to make it in this business and step into the role of CEO. That's why we focus on all three. We are Wendy, Ashley, and Crystal, your hosts of Travel Biz CEO and the founders of Kinship Travel Academy. We are three travel advisors that saw a glaring need in the travel industry, the need to look at the whole advisor. Through our own travel business journeys, we all joined communities and signed up for courses and masterminds to help push us to the next level. And all of them ended up falling short of our expectations. That's why we started Kinship Travel Academy, where we focus on the mind, body, and soul for the marketing, business operations, and mindset of a travel advisor. It's a program for modern travel advisors created by modern travel advisors. Welcome to the next chapter of the travel industry. Travel Biz CEO listeners, we are back. And today we are going to talk about a few of the things that we wish we had known when we had gotten started. And I wish you could have heard the conversation before I hit record because Ashley had kind of struggled with this idea a little bit because, you know, there is such a thing as we have to go through the, the journey and we have to learn the lessons. And I said, well, you know, there's things that I don't regret doing, but now I can go back and I could have done more of it or done things a little bit better. So you're going to make mistakes. Let me caveat this conversation. You're going to make mistakes as an entrepreneur. There's no such thing as the perfect launch. But if we were to go back, there's a few things that maybe we would do differently. Wendy, do you want to go ahead and start us off? Sure. I would love to. Let's see. So the first thing I wish that I could have told myself five years ago when I started Rebel on the Go would be to follow my own intuition. Good one. I, you know, I always have in the past. I don't know why things changed. I think that especially entering the online space, it's very much of a different world it's a different, there's a, you know, it's like you play ball differently, different set of rules. I didn't realize how, and for me, when I say the intuition piece, it's really how to avoid shiny object syndrome, or as we say, squirrel. squirrel. <laughs> um, because when you're in the online space, I mean, when I started, I didn't understand that I was easily pixeled and that I was easily, you know, marketing targeted and all of a sudden things pop up and I'm like, oh, well, if this person clearly is speaking to me, 
which says their marketing was good. Um, I have to have this. Yeah, I can't even begin to tell you the amount of money I spent on courses. Mm. (laughs) That's a good one. Craziness that if I had really taken a step back and just, you know, listened to my own, yeah, my own intuition, I probably would have saved a lot of time and a lot of money. (laughs) But what did your intuition tell you that you didn't listen to? Well, why am I doing this is really the big one, is really the big one. And I think that what's interesting about that is it actually took me an entire summer to make the first course purchase. I ended up listening to live webinars, I think at least five times. And I was just, you know, this is a lot, you know, you really think about it. And so I think the first one, I really, I think I did properly. But after that, the trigger on the finger just became, well, you know, that little voice is saying, don't do it, but everything else is saying you need to succeed. (laughs) And yeah. So I don't think that one course is going to be the magic bean that's going to launch us into perfect success. We've all been there. Yeah. I mean, I will say that the first course that I purchased after watching five webinars and at the time living in Guam. So I would watch the webinars at like three o'clock in the morning um, was actually my coach who's been my coach for the, for five years now, um, Juju Hook. It was her initial program. Hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't have I don't have regret. I don't have regrets with that course (laughs) because I was able to, you know, I have, I have a coach who generally provides some of that intuition when I don't. (laughs) But what's interesting about that was the thing that was most successful for you was the thing that you put a lot of time and consideration behind. It's the things that we rush into that. Uh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. That's very true. That's very true. Mm-hmm. Though I will say that probably the second thing, that's actually a balance, at least for me, because I realize that I'm an ideas person. Yeah, we, <laughs> well, amongst the three of us, we know ideas mm-hmm. person. I do wish that I had moved to action on a number of things more quickly. Like buying Amazon stock back <laughs> in 2004. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You know, but we, I think that as entrepreneurs, we suffer from analysis paralysis and how do you, you know, it's, it's, yeah. How do you get that idea into action, which, you know, usually involves a plan and possibly coaching advice or something along those lines, but yeah. So anyway, Mm. Yeah, it's like there's a fine balance between decisive, being decisive, but also like analyzing. You have to do a little bit of both. And it's like, where's the, where's the, where's the fine line there? It's hard to, hard to gauge that. Exactly, exactly. And, and it's, it's a personal thing. It depends. You know, I've had um, people who look at me crazy and say that you did that really fast. And the exact (laughs) same thing wow, (laughs) you know, took you long enough. (laughs) 
I think you should go next, Crystal, because I'm I'm still formulating my thoughts. So if if I could go back, I would say, even though I think you did actually a really good job in coaching me in this way, because I started out as one of Ashley's ICs. I'm still one of Ashley's ICs. I don't know why I said it started out, but I don't have to sell right away. Mm -hmm. And actually I shouldn't. I think that we all think we're going to be travel advisors, but it's like we have that employee mindset that you start work the first, the first day you start work, you start sales, except that when you're an independent contractor, you are a business owner. You are the CEO of your business. That's why you're listening to this podcast there are series of foundations that need to be set up and in place first. Now, again, I was one of Ashley's ICs. I had a lot of those business foundations done for me. I was super, super lucky. So I was able to kind of jump without looking or thinking probably more so than the average independent contractor out there, but there were still some marketing foundations, some lessons that I really needed before going in And it's a balance, right? If you are part of a really solid community, a solid team, you can sell at the same time that you're setting these foundations up, but you lend yourself a favor by taking away the pressure of having to do that. And I use the pizza parlor analogy. Ashley made fun of me earlier before. I'm going to say it again. You're opening a pizza parlor tomorrow. This was obsessed with pizza parlors. (laughs) With pizza parlors. Um, I just really like pizza. I don't know who can blame me. Who doesn't? (laughs) Just joking. So so if if you open up a pizza parlor, I can't say I'm going to open up a pizza parlor and then tomorrow open it up and start selling pizza. I have to either make a sizable investment to purchase a franchise and an existing shop that's already running, or I have to go and source the building decorate it, buy my menus, train my people, buy my ingredients, and then cook the dang pizza. It takes six months to get those things set up. It's really no different. Even though you're running an online business, there are business foundations that need to be put in play. Your legal stuff, your accounting, your marketing strategies, all of these things, your messaging, your brand, sussing out who you want to talk to, all those things really need to be sussed out first. Mm -hmm. And I think people often put the cart before the horse and then it ends up the cart's rolling downhill really, really fast. And we can't, we can't stop it. We can't stop it. We can't stop it. And we don't have those systems in place. And that's where we end up super stressed in our business, where those that are doing business really well, have those systems in place, have those marketing strategies in place that are bringing in ideal clients and those take time. So giving yourself the grace to have the time to do that. I, I wish that I said, I think I did this all right, but I wish that I wish more people heard that in their first, when they first joined the industry. And it's interesting too, that you said when they're, they're doing well in their business, it's like, <laughs> it goes back to another podcast that we did about your definition of success. Mm-hmm. Just what I have seen, t- there's a difference between doing well and selling a lot. Like some people can jump into this and have, you know, a hundred thousand dollar booking right off the bat and then start an extremely successful group business somehow, you know, like those, we hear about those stories. They're not often, but they happen just because they're selling a lot. Doesn't necessarily mean they're doing well. They're probably working 80 hours a week, not feeling super happy with the state of their lives. You know, I don't want to be judgy, but like there's a difference in doing well having a balanced life, you know, living the dream that you've 
set for yourself by pursuing entrepreneurship versus just selling a crap load of travel. So I just want to throw that out there real quick. I think one of the things that really is super helpful, and I wish that I probably, well, is a sense of it's being realistic. It's, it's sort of a balance. And I know when I first started in travel, before Rebel on the Go was real, I think it was before Rebel on the Go was born around that time. But anyway, I remember being at a luncheon with or an industry and event. And I was at a luncheon sitting next to a gentleman. He and his wife had retired and they bought a franchise, a travel franchise. And they had thought that this was the path to easy street. This was the supplemental retirement income that they had to have. This was, and they were struggling. And I don't recall them. I think they'd only been in for about a year. So, you know, when you think about a business, usually it's, it's like one to three, it's like three years before you see Mm -hmm. really even a dash of profit or even breaking even, but he was just, it was really sad to see someone who just the resignation and, you know, probably bordering on depression that, you know, the expectations were very, I think, unrealistic. And I I do think that's something that everyone needs to have, you know, realistic expectations. And I'm not saying, because one of the things I also wished I had was more of a growth mindset. Mm -hmm. And I, that I realized that, you know, now I see, hey, you try things, you keep trying to keep trying to keep trying. It's like you test, 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 fix, test, 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 fix. Um, and I look at things more like a puzzle that, you know, you just keep until you find the right thing or, um, you know, or the chef, (laughs) you keep trying and, and keep dropping things in the pot until, and when you think of it that way, um, I think it's easier to, um, process and easier to accept than resilient that way. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly. Why is it called a pizza parlor, by the way? On a totally different note. Parlor, like of all things, just Um, what it's called. I digress. Okay. (laughs) Do you want me? Don't overthink it. Maybe. No, no, no. Yeah. So the other thing Mm -hmm. that we could talk about more when people start out is. You do have to spend money to make money. There is a sizable investment that it takes to be an entrepreneur, but there is also a responsible way to scale and grow your businesses. It is a both and conversation. And that is why you really should have relationship early on with an accountant or a CPA or somebody who knows numbers if numbers is not your thing. But there, there are things that you have to do to start your business, you have to pay to file your paperwork with your state, your local county for your business license, your LLC. You would probably have to pay a lawyer to draft contracts for you, host agency fees, and then there's marketing advertising fees that go with that. This can snowball really, really fast. If it can go from, you know, a couple hundred dollars to several thousand dollars, depending on what range you really want to operate in. It takes money to set up your website. It takes money to hire a branding person to do your logo, Mm -hmm. write up your IFO. There's all these things that can take, and there are going to be things that are in your zone of genius that you can DIY. And some of us are really, really good at that. 
And then there's some of us who really are not that great at that and really should be outsourcing those things. But regardless, it does take money and it is a balance because there is a right way to scale your business. I always say that Facebook ads are not the answer to your business. They're an accelerant for your business. So you need to have certain things in place for those to work. There are people, not just in this industry, in online business in general, that would lead you to believe that you just need to run it up and put it on credit cards and you need to go do other things. And if you build it, they will come and you know, you just need to have the right mindset and it will work. And, you know, guys, there's a smart way and a not smart way to run this. And if you don't have the ability to make the capital contributions, it is a risk. Entrepreneurship is a risk. It is a little bit of a gamble. It's a calculated risk. And depending on how much you're willing to really be strategic about it, there is, again, a right way and a wrong way to do this. But it is a risk. And if you are not in the financial position to make that risk and make that contribution, then this may not be the best space for you. And I don't think we say that enough in all fairness to people when they come in and join. We let them come in, try, and then we have a large turnover rate. And I think that's unfair to people in this industry because it can be a great career. It can be a lucrative career. It can be a successful career depending on your definition of success. But there are steps you take. Like Wendy said, often you're not turning a profit until year three. And we should talk about that more. Again, expectations. I was just going to throw a couple numbers out there. Um, We did a presentation on this, like the average startup costs and for an independent agent with a host agency, you're looking at about 3,500 to start your first year. And if you want to go fully independent, it's at least 6,000. So, I mean, you know, and certain host agencies have less fees than others. You should just come into this expecting to at minimum spend 2,000 your first year, all the way up to more than that. Um, So I'm just going to put it out there and leave it. You guys all think about that. But go ahead, Wendy. I put $10,000 into my business the first year between courses, education, setting up my website, paying host agency fees, first series of travel industry education that I spent money on, the CRMs, the websites. There's all these things that come with being at hiring support to do the things that I was not good at. Mm -hmm. Adds up very, very quickly. The way we choose to do things and this is our personal family financial things, and maybe I'm getting a little bit too personal here, is that we we make budgets and plans and we don't put things on credit cards. And we're in a very fortunate space to be able to do that. And that's why I was able to spend up to what I did. It doesn't mean though that I turned a profit that first year, obviously I did not. Year two, I was breaking even year three, I was back down because it was 2020. So it all, you know, those are very personal decisions that you make, whether it's private coaching, membership programs, other things that you do. Mm -hmm. There are expenses that come along with entrepreneurship, just like opening that pizza parlor. Pizza shop. The parlor pizza. It's a parlor pizza. pizza. Um, Mystic pizza, a la Julia Roberts. There's some upfront costs to running that business for the pizza analogy, especially he can't not pay employees until he turns a profit. That's not what it, that's not how that happens. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that it's 
taking an unemotional strategic view. I think when we all that's hard entrepreneurs, there's a sense of excitement. There's a sense of just almost a magic that generally wears off, but it's, it's, if we could have this just, you know, unemotional strategic look at, at especially like how, how you, I mean, I, again, I, I look at how much money I spent on courses. Holy anyway. Um, okay. <laughs> I, if I had been more strategic, I never would have really done that. Um, I, again, I will say that you know the money I've spent on coaches over the year, over the years, has been money incredibly well spent. <laughs> Not so much all the courses that I've taken, but you know we all have we all have different priorities. I just think that if I had probably had a clear eye, I would have been. I would look back now a little bit. <laughs> you could more confidently invest in different things too right mm -hmm. like we kind of know now what works for our style as well whether we are course people or not course people but again it comes back to that managing expectation side of things I know one of my biggest problems also came back to what Wendy had started with was following my intuition was letting other people mm. tell me how things should be run because a lot of the things that happen in the travel industry and we're starting to see some changes and but it's partly why we launched kinship travel academy and why we launched this podcast is a lot of our education that has served us well in our business has come from outside the industry it is very much opposite to what is taught in the industry and when i tried to do things the way they had been done in the industry I really felt like it backfired on me, to be honest. And I wasted a lot of time and money doing trade shows and doing other things that if I had invested them in digital marketing strategies a little bit more effectively, I would be a lot further faster. And again, that came down to not trusting what I knew, which was a lot more than I thought I did. I had assumed, you know, I'd never been a travel agent before and I'd never worked in this industry before. So what did I know? Mm -hmm. Well, I'd worked in marketing and public relations and event planning for a really long time. I actually knew quite a bit. I just didn't know how to translate that knowledge into this industry, but I do now. Yeah. I think that like what you guys have all said has resonated with me on one level or another. I can definitely empathize with all of the things that you've said. I guess my one thing to add would be in year three of my business, I decided to completely change my business model and bring on ICs. And while I did that pretty methodically, I sought the advice of one-on-one -on -one business coaching and developed a very you know, specific plan. I mean, Crystal was one of my first ICs, so she can feel free to just blast at me all she wants. But for the most part, I was set up and ready to bring ICs on. I had training ready, you know, contracts ready. It's not like the same stories I hear. It's not the same stories I hear all the time of people who just want to bring on ICs to make money because now that I've done it for a while and I'll just toot my own horn, I've won an award for being having an IC model. People come to me for advice on how to bring on ICs. The Entrepreneur of the Year Award, by yeah. the way. It's not yeah. <laughs> The 2019 Asta Entrepreneur of the Year Award. 
people come to me for advice about bringing on ICs and oftentimes I find that people are bringing on ICs for the wrong reason. They think that it's going to be like this big revenue producing move. And while it can be, it's a huge, it takes a huge amount of resources. So you really have to ask yourself, is this some, do I really want to be a mentor? Because I could get a lot farther just buckling down on my own sales and, you know, being more efficient in that area than mentor. If you don't have the, the interest in mentoring, I don't know if it's the right business model for you. And frankly, if you don't have a lot of things set up in your business before you bring on ICs, it's not going to be a good idea. So in my roundabout way of getting to the lesson I learned, even though I was very methodical on my business model change, I didn't think about how it was going to basically be like starting my business from day zero instead of year three. And so I basically tanked on all my revenue because I focused all my time and energy creating this super cool program for training new ICs and promoting my new IC business model and bringing on ICs. And everybody knows new ICs don't make any money if they're new to the industry. So like I wasn't going to get any of their commission splits for a year or so after they started because that's, you know, how long it takes. So basically my lesson is if you're going to pursue, you know, business model change like that, do it in a more gradual way. Like I would have held on to more of my own bookings. I wouldn't have immediately referred them out. I would have, you know, just put less pressure on myself to hold the hands of the individual ICs because they're independent contractors. Like in the end of the day, it's really their responsibility to build their business, but not, and Crystal wasn't one of these people that needed a huge amount of attention, by the way, since she's here. Bye. Bye. This is why we immediately connected because like she got it from the beginning, but like I completely dove headfirst into it and didn't care about anything else. And I learned so much and I love it. And I'm continued to do that mentorship and everything. That's what I love. But at the same time, my business went back to zero and that was a really hard thing to recover from. It took two years to start to recover from that. So that's a really good point, especially right now during COVID, because so many people are trying to pivot Mm -hmm. really fast because they're trying to find the thing that's going to make them more money. And oftentimes, (laughs) yeah, people look to bring on ICs, like that's going to be the thing that saves their business. And in some ways it might, but in other ways, but only if you have certain things in place first. And so we, we've been saying simplify to amplify a lot. I think that's a really good lesson early on in your career too, is that you're right. You probably would have been more profitable if you had just dug down and simplified and amplified what was really working and sustain what you're working. I personally am grateful that you didn't. Thanks for taking. Oh no, I am too. Like every, and that's why it was hard for me to come up with this question because like at the end of the day, I'm glad for every decision I make because it brought me to where I am. So it's just, I guess I'll say to you, if you come to me and ask for advice on bringing on ICs, I'm going to cut to the chase real quick and tell you, (laughs) I'm going to ask you some tough questions. We're going to find out if it really is a good business strategy. And I'm personally not recruiting ICs for my host agency. And I haven't for almost a year now because I don't feel like it's responsible in this environment. So I'm just going to put that out there right now too. Like I don't, 
you know, so I'm not saying that you shouldn't because I'm trying to take up all the new ICs. I'm literally not recruiting people. People will come to me and we'll have a frank conversation, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing that people think that they're going to start making money right away when they, they pursue the IC strategy. You really don't. It's hard. It's, it's awesome, but it's hard. You know, there are so many different tactics and so many different options out there pretty much for any level or any possible part of your business, whether it is, you know, do I go with QuickBooks or do I go with HoneyBooks or whatever, you know, I mean, to, do I add ICs? Do I shift my, you know, do I book more groups? I mean, there's so many different options. And I think, again, not to beat a dead horse, it's just being really strategic, really focused, and really almost unemotional in terms of analyzing. And again, it's, it's making sure you do, that you do a strategic, that you do strategic planning and that you really think through what it is. Um, you know, when I started, um, my, actually my first host agency, there was no requirement for any kind of a business plan. I mean, I have a business degree and I did more in, in college. <laughs> um, anyway, you know, it's just put yourself out there. I'm here. Hello. So I think that it's, it's also really looking at it as a business as well. It's mm-hmm. not that, I mean, it's not the same as the pizza parlor, but the basic elements of running a business. That hurts my are, feelings. I'm exactly. so sorry. <laughs> oh, actually, I'm looking. It's like it's almost dinner time. You're making you're making me hungry for me. <laughs> so you're right. There is you are a business owner first. Travel a seller of travel second. Like that's the commodity. Well, that's something that people need to know. And Say it, it again. It, there's a you're a business owner first. You are a travel agent second. And if you are not running your business like a business, then it doesn't matter how much travel you sell, you will be, you will flounder in some way or the other, whether it's personally and or professionally. So understanding that there are foundational pieces that need to be at play, is just really important. And I don't think we say it enough. I think we say, join the travel industry, start selling travel, you're going to make a lot of money. And that's a false bill of goods. That's not fair to the people entering the industry. Now, join the industry, get proper education, find a community, set up your business foundations, run your business like a rock star. You're going to be a successful travel advisor. That's why we call this Travel Biz CEO. You're the CEO of your business. You have a handle on all of the things. CEO doesn't really care what they're selling. That's why CEOs jump from company to company to company. CEOs can manage the long-term vision of a company. That's what you need to be. And I wish Amen. more people entered their, entered their business like a CEO. Amen. Yeah. Wow. I think we can end it on that note. I, I think that you've just, you yes, I think you've left us speechless. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to hear from the listeners if they have anything to add on things they wish they had known before they started their travel business, please share. I think it would be really useful to those considering joining the industry, those 
at a turning point. Many of us, in fact, are at a turning point in the industry with the way things are going. So tell us, share with us what you wish you would have known, um, similar to how Crystal said she wished she would have been naked more often in her 20s because she had a rock and hot bod. Oh, I do. That's how we started this, this thing. I said, you know, it's not that I would go back and tell 20-year-old me to be more naked, but my God, I was hot. That 20-year-old body was so worried about being fat. Yeah. 36-year-old me. Same. Same, same, same. So on I should have gone note, to class more. <laughs> oh, on that note, thank you so much. On that note, us. we'll see you guys next week. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening today. We hope you enjoyed today's episode about all the things we wish we had known when we had gotten started. It's important to find balance and the right community and the right help to get the foundations that you need in place when you're starting in the industry. And we feel really strongly that the criteria for this should be a couple of things. One, it should be a highly collaborative community. It should be a community that is cheering on your success. It should be affordable. It should not just focus on the what you should do, but how to do it. And that's why I'd like to invite you to check out Kinship Travel Academy membership. KTA membership, where you can become a Kinship CEO, is a membership program for travel advisors looking for just that looking to build the foundations of their business, their marketing, and their mindset. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in, we invite you to check us out at kinshiptravelacademy.com membership or link in show notes. Have a great weekend, you guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening. We hope you got something great out of today's episode. If you are wondering where you are out of balance in your travel business, take our free quiz at kinshiptravelacademy.com backslash quiz to find out and receive free resources to help bring you into alignment in your travel business. And if you enjoyed today's episode, take a screenshot and share it on social media. Be sure to tag us at Kinship Travel Academy or hashtag TravelBizCEO. Also, if you loved us, don't forget to leave a review and be sure to hit subscribe. Here's to you. See you at the next level.